This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. When personal investments exceed personal goals and the retirement fund is bigger than your retirement dreams is when you know you're ready for prime time. Welcome to Primetime Money on Zoomer Radio with Richard Infantino, Senior Investment Advisor with RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Canada's only money show dedicated to those of you 50 plus in your overall investment tax and estate planning and your direct link to all of North America's top money managers with the best ideas on how you can grow your money. You know, every week we're going to have special guests on the show. We're going to look into the uh, stock market and the bond markets, how they're performing and what sectors you should be focusing on now. Also joining us, we're going to have some uh, estate lawyers to go over will planning, probate, powers of attorney and family law. And hopefully we'll get some accountants too. And they're going to help us with tax planning and strategies to minimize the tax that you pay. All in all, this show is all about full wealth management. Also, each week, we're going to have the rapid fire round. It's going to be where your questions are going to get answered. That's the best part of the show. Also, we're going to have uh, special reports and handouts uh, for you. And always on our show, they're available at no cost or obligation to you to get those sent out to you. So get your uh, pen and paper ready and take down this number. It's one 866 891 one eight six six eight nine one twenty six thirty seven. Have that handy every week because I'll have something new for you in terms of uh, special reports on wealth management and wealth planning that you should be taking a look at here today. Also, you can uh, email us questions, and the, and the website is um, primetmoney at gmail.com. That's where you're going to email us. And if you have questions, we'll be happy to take them. And, and we appreciate if you, if you would send some because we uh, need them every week, too. So one 891 2637 You know, last week we had um, the family inventory as a uh, special report that we're going to send out. And we had a ton of calls. But there was a lot of calls left where um, on the uh, voicemail where we couldn't make out uh, who was there and, who, and what they were asking for. So this is what we handed out. It's called the family inventory. And um, this is why you need a copy of this. It's it's the first step when you're developing your estate plan. So it's to make sure that all of your assets are accounted for and considered and that the beneficiaries are all taken care of. So an up-to-date inventory is going to be very valuable to anybody that's um, going to be looking at your estate and any of your surviving heirs, your executors, your trustees, your advisors. This is something that you, that you need to do. And the best part of it is that this guidebook is going to have everything in there completely. So it's going to have your professional advisors listed in there, banks and banking, credit, uh, digital assets. This is big. Digital assets and your passwords is really important these days. Investment accounts, uh, your business accounts, any real estate, pension plans, any debts that are owed by you, who should be taken care of there, your life insurance plans. The other part that's really important is where's the location of you? Where's your birth certificate? Where's your medical records, your passport, your citizenship, your income tax returns, your licenses? All of these types of things are all covered in there. Your credit cards, um, physical accounts, wills, powers of attorney. So this is a guidebook that you should have. So just give Dominique a call again today if you if you didn't get through last time. one 891 2637 Just leave your name and your phone number and she'll call you right back and get, get all the information to send that out to you. So... The person that's going to answer the phone, her name is Dominique. She's going to call you back, and you can get your hands on the uh, family inventory. And we have a special um, estate planning seminar coming up Wednesday, April 27th at 11 a.m. 
And um, our guest speaker is going to be Allison Pang, who's an estate planning specialist. She's also a senior trust advisor for Royal Trust. And she's going to go over how do you properly structure your will? How do you set up trusts if you need those as part of your estate plan? And then your powers of attorney. She's also going to talk about uh, strategies to protect your assets and reduce your taxes. And the most important one that she's going to talk about is how do you choose the right option for your executor? That's a big problem that we have here. There's actually a firm out there that um, specializes in this, and we contacted that firm, and they're, um, uh, they're going to be coming on the show too as well. So that's Wednesday, April 27th at 11 a.m. It could be in person, or it might be virtual, or it might be both. So if you'd like to come out and join us at this seminar or listen to it um, virtually, um, we're going to talk about all the three pillars of wealth management, investing, taxes, and estate planning. So call Dominique at 1-866-891-2637. Get your hands on the, the family inventory checklist or come on out to the uh, workshop. Okay, so with increased spending on digital defenses and because of what's happening in Russia's invasion of Ukraine, that's going to fuel some further gains in cybersecurity stocks. Stay right there because Carl Chung of First Trust He's going to be joining us to talk about the main drivers behind investing in cybersecurity. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money. Want to learn more about how to navigate the stock markets or how to get the most out of your financial planning? Attend an upcoming investment planning workshop hosted by Richard Infantino of Primetime Money. Every workshop will include top portfolio managers, estate lawyers, and tax accountants who will help you maximize your returns and minimize your taxes. There is no cost to attend the seminars. All you have to do is call Dominique now to register. 1-866-891-2637. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Richard Infantino on Primetime Money, and joining us now is Carl Chung. Carl's uh, responsible for setting the strategic direction and leading a team of First Trust investment professionals, and they deliver ETF solutions to investment advisors and portfolio managers who advise those to uh, all the individuals out there. So joining us now is Carl Chung. Hey, good morning, Carl. Thanks for uh, joining us here today. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me again, Richard. You know, we wanted to talk to you about uh, cybersecurity. So what, what are the long-term drivers of cybersecurity, and why should we be investing there? Over the last 10 years, and really accelerated since the beginning of the pandemic. The world, as you know, Richard, you and I have interacted mostly in digital form. And so just about every industry or sector has, uh, in the world has become more digital. So it's really increased the need for cybersecurity services, which has really just grown exponentially, as you know. So we've witnessed over the last several years several cyber attacks, and, and they haven't just focused on digital targets like online shopping or personal data, the ones that we expect. They've included critical oil pipelines in southeastern the U.S. Uh, that shut down really oil and gas for a period of time there. Meat packing plants in Minnesota, chain of grocery stores in the U.K. So we are entering a cyber war, we believe, that could replace an actual physical war over time. So, and then finally, just in the metrics in terms of growth and, and how impressive that's been. When you look at growth in cybersecurity stocks mm -hmm. in 2022 versus 2021 and compare it against the work from home darlings or the Pelotons of the world, Zoom, Netflix, et cetera, you're seeing a deceleration in growth in those names and an acceleration in cybersecurity. So, uh, this can easily be a trillion-dollar industry in the next five years. Yeah, for sure. That you know, like there's these high-profile cybersecurity attacks and failures 
that's is that continuing to be like a catalyst for the the growth of the sector? It's it's so interesting because when you think of failure in cybersecurity yeah. or breaches, um, you have to have the perspective of companies and governments that haven't been hacked or infected. Executives at these firms realize they have the same vulnerabilities and start to increase the cybersecurity spending, which leads to additional revenue. So as a firm first trust, we tried to quantify that. We looked at Google Trends, very popular search method, and anytime there was a spike in searches for cyber attacks, ransomware attacks, we just noticed following the announcements by any of these companies or governments, there has been significant outperformance in our cybersecurity ETF. And that's CIBR. And it wasn't just outperformance against the S&P 500, but outperformance versus information technology and growth stocks. And so similar uh, headlines, of course, and on the unfortunate news of the Russian invasion, we have seen very strong interest in cybersecurity ETFs and strong performance since that happened uh, about a few weeks ago, about a month ago. So Russia is a very well-known state actor of cyber attacks, and I believe uh, Europe, uh, companies in Europe, that really gives them a green light and governments to renew their incentive to invest in cybersecurity measures. And yeah, it, that's it, kind of the trends we've seen. Yeah, it's really important today. You know, and, and on that point, Carl, you know, we, we, you know, you look at cybersecurity stocks and you look at technology stocks and they kind of move together. Since last November, they kind of pulled back dramatically. So looking at that and looking at what's happening, is, is this a good time to actually uh, invest money in cybersecurity? So the baby has been thrown off with the bathwater. Like you said, Richard, it's just since November, technology stocks have been painted with the same brush, whether there were semiconductors, the work-from-home stocks, e-commerce, and, of course, cybersecurity stocks. So investors have been really just selling indiscriminately. It has been painful to experience, uh, more painful than we thought as a firm that we'd see this year starting off. But when you look at cybersecurity stocks relative to their growth, revenue, and profits, it hasn't been this attractive for almost a decade, right? So couple that with the double-digit revenue growth that is higher than the S&P 500 and expect it to continue to be consistently higher over that period. We really think we're entering this golden age and era of cybersecurity. Well, one of the um, holdings we had as an example of another source of outperformance we will start seeing is because some of these stocks got sold off so badly, one of our holdings, Mandiant, okay. uh, a significant larger, was recently acquired by Google for about $5.4 billion. And we think that's another catalyst because that's just the iceberg in terms of M&A in the space. You'll have names like Amazon, Microsoft, and Oracle that will start acquiring some of the smaller names, the Rapid Sevens, the Veronas of the world, we believe. And this will also lead to another great outperformance long-term trend we'll see there. Now, you guys manage one of the best uh, cybersecurity stocks, and the symbol in Canada is CIBR. Like, tell us about what's inside of that ETF and why you know some of the uh, listeners here should choose an ETF over trying to pick off these stocks one at a time. Yeah, it, it's, it's really important there, uh, Richard. So cyber, as you mentioned, um, was originally actually listed in the States in 2015, and we brought it here in Canada in 2021. And it's, it's a portfolio comprised of some of the largest cybersecurity companies in the world. So it captures a very broad array of companies, cloud security, such as Zscaler and CrowdStrike, endpoint security, multi-factor authentication type of companies, and then cybersecurity, even 
consulting firms like Accenture is in the portfolio. So cyber, CIBR on the TSX captures a broad array of cybersecurity companies. And, and, and you mentioned the YPIC stocks. These are really niche areas of the marketplace. One interesting fact is that when you take a look at our portfolio of 41 names um, and overlap it with all the S&P 500 names, you have about a 1.5% overlap, meaning that typically you don't find these type of companies in broad-based S&P 500 ETFs, uh, and that's just another source of a diversification for portfolios, yeah. uh, and it really makes sense. That's why we've seen strong interest in our basket. Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Carl. Thanks again for uh, taking the time to join us. And uh, again, the symbol, folks, is CIBR, Trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange. And if you'd like information, we'll have it on uh, primetimemoney.ca under In the Money section. Thanks again, Carl. You take care. Take care, Richard. Thank you. Okay, so that was Carl Chung. He's a managing director with First Trust. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. The distributions are not guaranteed, and they may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds and ETFs are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently. And past performance may not be repeated. This show is sponsored in part by First Trust. Okay, environmental, social, and governance. CSG, you've heard about that. CSG investing is a strategy where you can put your money to work with companies that strive to make the world a better place. Find out how you can participate in one minute when Darren Abdullah, who's a vice president from Invesco, will join us to explain all about that. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money. Has your financial advisor contacted you to ensure that your portfolio is still on track? Richard Enventino from Primetime Money is offering a second opinion service. You'll get a review of your personal financial goals and objectives, a customized investment plan for your current portfolio, estate strategies to help minimize tax. Best of all, the service is complimentary with no obligation. It's time to get your plan back on track. Call Dominique now at 1-866-891-2637. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Richard Infantino on Primetime Money. And joining us now is uh, Dharam Abdullah, who's a vice president and ETF strategist at Invesco. And we asked him to talk to us today about ESG investing. Good morning, Dharam. Thanks for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. I guess the first question is, uh, you know, and we, uh, we wanted to talk about ESG. So that's environmental, social, and governance investing. So how does that differ from, you know, traditional forms of investing? Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, a top-of-mind question nowadays. And I would say, you know, ESG investing has uh, gained a lot of momentum over the past uh, few years. Um, and, you know, with the coronavirus pandemic, uh, it has accelerated the move towards investments that provide some sort of positive impact on our environment and society. From an investor mm. standpoint, although there is a significant interest in this space, there is also a lot of confusion around it. Uh, because there are many terms that are floating out there. Yeah. You know, you hear terms like socially responsible investing, uh, ethical investing, green investing, ESG, and others, right? Yeah. So some of these terms are actually being used interchangeably. But to understand this space, I think it's useful to provide maybe a quick historical backdrop. Um, you know, ESG investing has been around for many decades. Uh, it, it first rose to prominence, I would say, back in the 60s via socially responsible investment. Um, if you recall, like these focused on excluding uh, certain sectors from investment portfolios. And, you know, of course, this has led to some sort of uh, underperformance, uh, you know. And since then, there has been some unfortunate association between underperformance and ESG. But if you fast forward a few decades, and as time has gone by, 
the, the space has shifted dramatically. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, emergence of tools, uh, data analytics, public disclosures. All of these have allowed investors to have access to a lot of ESG data. So with that backdrop, uh, I would like to define ESG investing as the process of incorporating financially material and relevant data into the investment process so that, you know, investors could make informed decisions. So well, you, could, you could view it as core and traditional investing, but with a lens on sustainability. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, it's very important. Like, I, I've noticed that myself. There's been a big change over the years, uh, you know, that I've been involved with it. You know, like ESG investing space is involved in ways that allows investors to kind of satisfy their ESG preferences while still maintaining the characteristics of their preferred uh, investment strategy. How do they do this? Yeah, so I would say, you know, the, the, the tremendous innovation by index providers um, over the past uh, decades, you know, they, they've been using their data gathering tools to create benchmarks that are core, that replicate the major strategies that clients are familiar with, but they gear towards ESG without forcing the investors to make the trade-off between, you know, meeting their ESG values and generating returns. So this, of course, you know, has allowed, you know, the barriers of entry to be broken. And nowadays, uh, we think ESG investing has become more mainstream and more accessible to investors because all it does, it takes traditional investing and it builds upon it by adding this risk management tool, which allows them to factor in the ESG values. So what ESG products has Invesco created and that, you know, what what differentiates them from the others that are out there? Yeah, so at Invesco Canada, we actually strive to help clients meet their ESG demands. But at the same time, we want to make sure that their financial goals are also met. So the approach we take, we take can actually be broken down into three primary categories. Um, you know, we offer ESG solutions across core equities, innovation, and core fixed income. Within the core equity category, um, Invesco has partnered with the S&P, which is a major index provider, to expand our suite of S&P ESG index ETFs by launching what we call S&P ESG tilted index ETFs. So these are designed to meet the core investment needs of our ESG-minded investors who wish to have access to the Canadian, U.S., and global asset classes for their portfolios. And examples I'd like to highlight include Invesco's S&P TSX Composites ESG index ETF with the ticker ICTE. And, and that provides a broad-based exposure to the Canadian equity space. And then the other example I'd like to highlight is the S&P 500 ESG tilted ETF, which has the ticker of ISTE for broad-based U.S. equity exposure. And then within the innovation category, which is the second category, with combined innovation and ESG, as you're aware, Invesco and NASDAQ are pioneers in the innovative solutions. And we've partnered together to help people access the world's most innovative companies. So with our innovative ESG offerings, we're giving access to the groundbreaking companies of the NASDAQ while incorporating ESG. One example I'd like to highlight is the Invesco ESG NASDAQ 100 index with the ticker QQCE. And finally, within the core fixed income category, our Invesco ESG Canadian bond ETF with the ticker BESG and Invesco ESG Global Bond ETF with the ticker IWBE are actively managed by our well-versed Invesco fixed income team, and both of them offer core fixed income allocations across the clients' portfolios. So all these ESG-oriented ETF options that we offer 
are cost-effective and long-term core options for our clients to help them meet their financial needs while also making an impact on the ESG front. It's a win-win situation for them. Yeah, that's great, uh, Darren. You've given us a lot of homework here with all of those uh, symbols. Thanks again. I know you're busy. Thanks again for joining us, Darren, and uh, uh, have great success with your uh, ETF suite of uh, funds there. Thank you very much, Richard. Have a great day as well. Take care. Okay, folks, uh, again, go to uh, primetimemoney.ca, and then we'll have all of those uh, tickers uh, on the uh, website. And then uh, there'll be some research there, too, uh, explaining what the the funds are all about. So primetimemoney.ca, and then hit the button where it says In the Money, and you'll find all the information on the ESG funds. Okay, so that was Darren um, Abdullah. He's a vice president and ETF strategist at Invesco. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. Distributions are not guaranteed, and they may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds and ETFs are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. This show is sponsored in part by Invesco. We're ready for the... For the Rapid Fire Round, where Richard answers all of your financial questions. Okay, question number one comes from Stanley J. of Hamilton, who asks, what is a stock split and how does it affect my investment? You know, companies out there do a stock split so that investors can more easily buy and sell shares. So in essence, what they're doing is they're increasing their liquidity and the flow to shares. Stock splits basically divide a company's shares into more shares. So which in turn lowers the share's price and increases the number of shares available. So here's an example, Stanley. So if you currently have 100 shares and they're valued at $100 a share, that's $10,000, and there's a five-for-one stock split, so they're going to split it up five ways, then basically you're now going to have 500 shares at $20 each, so you have the same $10,000. So the value of your investment doesn't change, but now the level of demand is better for investors because there's more shares available for them to buy. In most cases, this is a positive for the stock because it brings in a lot more people into the uh, equation here. There's the other side of this, though, that people haven't heard about or may have heard about. It's called the reverse stock split. Um, I also, in in terms, it's called the consolidation. In that case, you could have a situation where you have 5,000 shares at $1, and they do a consolidation, which would be, in this example I'll give you, is 10 to 1. Then you're going to have 500 shares at $10 rather than 5,000 shares at $1. Companies do this, a reverse stock split. They do this because their shares sometimes have been out of favor or they've had some problems with the company and they need to get a higher price so that uh, institutional investors will add them to their funds. Okay, we have time for one more quick question. This one comes from Stanley S. of Woodbridge who asks, what's the difference between book value and the adjusted cost base? That's a great question, especially now. It's really timely because everyone's doing their tax return. The cost or the book value uh, is the initial, think of it this way, um, it, Charles, it's the, the initial outlay of the money that you actually put in, including the commission. So that's the money that you invested initially. The adjusted cost base, the key word there is adjusted, and it gets adjusted by transactions that could include uh, dividends. You could have return of capital, or you could even have some corporate actions like uh, a merger. And in those situations, it's going to adjust the value of the, co- of the, of the cost of the stock that you have. Now, when you're doing your tax return and you're calculating capital gains, the number that you need is the adjusted cost base. So remember that I need it, and it has to be adjusted for any dividends, return of capital, or any kinds of mergers that are attached to that. I hope that helps. 
That's all the time that we have for today. Join us next week when we're going to talk about how you can actually use the up and down volatility of the market to generate some higher income for yourself. And remember, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And listen to our podcasts on Apple Music, Audacity, Audible, and Spotify. Have a great week, everybody. I'm Richard Infantino, and we'll see you next week right here on Primetime Money. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.